Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I'm Lori LeBay, the host and founder of Alzheimer Speaks. And before we get into our interview today, I always just like to let people know a little bit about us because we are always getting new listeners. So um, briefly, for those of you that are new to us, Alzheimer Speaks is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort around the world. We believe that by joining forces and sharing knowledge and just having everyday conversations like we do here on Alzheimer Speaks Radio, that we're going to help remove the stigmas and the isolation attached to memory loss and really be able to help people in the trenches living with this disease continue to live purpose-filled lives and to stay engaged. At our core, we believe collaboration is really the only way we're going to win this battle against the disease, and I know it's working thanks to all of you. You see, when you guys listen to our show and you share it, like it, um, you're pushing it out into the world, and you never know who in your sphere of um, influence is in need of this information. We all have a lot of people uh, that we know that don't even talk about this yet, And the more information we can make available to them, the more comfortable they're going to feel reaching out and engaging. So I really encourage you to continue to like and share with your Facebook friends, your LinkedIn colleagues, your Pinterest people, your Twitter tribes, because it it is really having a huge impact. You see, you made Alzheimer Speaks the number one influencer online, according to ShareCare and Dr. Oz. And again, we couldn't have done it without you. So I thank you so much because here on Alzheimer Speaks, we're about raising everyone's um, name and everyone's voice. We want people to know where the resources are that they can personally tap into. And we'd love to also be able to hear from you, our listeners. You know, you can engage with us through the chat box, asking questions, um, but maybe maybe you should be on the show. Um, so reach out to me at alzheimerspeaks.com. Just go to the big contact button and shoot me an email or give me a call or tweet me, wh- whatever your format for communication is. Reach out to me. I'd love to hear your story because we listen and we raise voice of all those living with dementia those who are personally caring for them, professionals in the industry, researchers, advocates, musicians, directors, it doesn't make any difference. We just want the voice to be heard and for people to work collaboratively together. Um, I don't know if you know this, but uh, September is actually um, Alzheimer's uh, World Awareness um, Month. And um, you can go to Alzheimer's Disease International just to find out more information but it's just fascinating because every three seconds somebody in the world is developing dementia and you know this is one of the most underdiagnosed diseases that we have i also want to give a shout out if you're going to be in indiana um, i'm going to be heading down there for their symposium 
in Fort Wayne, October 19th, and um, in uh, Merrillville, October 20th. And I'd love to see you um, and be able to meet with you and talk with you and hear what's going on in your world of dementia. And you can just go to our homepage, alzheimerspeaks.com, to get more information on that. Now, today we're going to do a little different format, and I'm really excited because I'm, I'm going to start having um, some co-hosts on my show. And today we're going to kick it off with uh, Laurel, Lori Cheryl, Cheryl, and she is just a fabulous woman who is actually living with dementia. She is one of our experts on dementia chats, um, a strong advocate, and I just think it's important for us to incorporate the voice of those living with dementia into our show. So welcome, Lori. How are you today? Thank you. I'm doing very well, thank you. I'm excited about being on the show and being your first co-host. Yep, I'm very excited too. Now our guest today, um, we've actually had on the show before, and they're just a phenomenal couple. Uh, Deborah Schaus and Ron uh, Zaglin are former family caregivers, and um, they're Alzheimer's advocates, writers, and performers, and their passion for helping people is truly a gift, and it blesses many care partners um, on their journey. Um, for those of you that have not heard of them, um, Deborah is the author of Love in the Land of Dementia, and um, which is just a fabulous book. And now she's got a new one out called Connecting in the Land of Dementia, Creative Activities to Explore Together. Um, Deborah, how are you today? Lori, I am just delighted to be here with both of you, and today is an exciting day because it's the actual publication date of the book. Very cool, very cool. <laughs> and and Ron, uh, Ron's your sidekick here, and he is a professional storyteller in, who has performed for businesses and universities, um, both national and international conferences, and the two of these, uh, these two together are just kind of a little powerhouse here. Um, the two of them, you know, initially self-published um, her first book, The Love in the Land of Dementia, Finding Hope in the Caregiver's Journey. And they used that book really as a catalyst to raise more than $80,000 for dementia programs, which is just, you know, fabulous. And now it's really exciting to hear that Central Recovery Press has now published and updated that version as well. So congratulations. What a feat. Well, thank you very much. We received, you were talking about, you know, sharing your stories and people talking about um, this issue. We received so much support from our local Alzheimer's Association. When I wrote this book, I really wanted to give back in some way. And sharing the stories from this book, Ron and I together, was just a meaningful way to give back. That's wonderful. So, Ron, how are you doing today? I want to make sure doing we're well, doing well. Thank you for asking. Hello, Lori and Lori. <laughs> well, good. Well, let's get started with our questions here. Um, and I'm going to throw this first one um, to Deborah, and then uh, Ron, I'll have you kick in uh, anything you want to add. But what inspired you to write this book, this current one, Connecting in the Land of Dementia? Well, it's interesting. I felt that being a care partner with somebody who is living with dementia was such a creative and spiritual journey. I knew I wanted to write something about creativity, but I couldn't figure out exactly what. 
Ron and I were screeners for the Kansas City Film Festival, and we got to screen the documentary Alive Inside, which is the story of Dan Cohen's music and memory program. When we saw this film, we got so excited. We helped bring it to Kansas City. We invited everyone in our Alzheimer's Association to come. And I thought, I want to write about this man, Dan Cohen. And so I pitched a magazine for a story about Dan Cohen. And the magazine said, well, that's interesting, but what else are people doing to help those who are living with dementia stay connected? I didn't know the answer to that, and I started researching, and this world opened up to me. And little by little, I realized this is what I wanted to write about. And so this book, Laura, you were mentioning collaboration earlier. This book is a true collaboration between myself and Ron and dozens of experts of all kinds around the globe who are doing creative work through expressive arts with people who are living with dementia and with their care partners. And what I love about this is these, quote, activities, these meaningful activities, are benefit whoever does them. They benefit both people. So it's really something to share together, whether you're a family care partner or professional care partner or a friend. Wonderful. Um, Ron, how about you? What um, Do you have anything to add to that in terms of what inspired um, you guys well, to go forward I, with the book? I, I, I'm totally on board with Deborah. Uh, the, that Watching that film Alive Inside was just so inspirational. And what, what has been really thrilling for us as Deborah has uncovered these new innovators from all over the world is it has given such a spark to uh, to our lives to be able to find some things that are so hopeful in the field of uh, Alzheimer's and dementia, which while we're waiting for the cure, this is an amazing way for all of us to find new ways to connect. Well, that's fantastic. Um, can you tell us, um, and I'm going to go to Deborah again, what kinds of people did you reach out to and how did you find, you know, the different experts to interview? Because you have a ton of them in your book. I do. And, you know, this was interesting because I decided whoever gave me advice, I was going to listen. So it was a very intuitive, organic process. So you were one of the people who helped me. And, in fact, I want to mention you have a beautiful contribution in the book, which I deeply appreciate. And... So each person, when I talk to, I ask, who else should I be talking to? I knew of John Killig in England because he had been here, and he was a great source for me in the U.K. and Europe. And I just followed through on every single person, and then some people I just found through looking at the Internet. So it was so rich. What What I loved is that the creativity, the compassion, and the brilliance of each person I interviewed was contagious. And I would get off the phone and go, oh, I can't wait to share this with other people. And what they helped me do was to take the work 
that they are doing. Some are doing poetry, some are doing storytelling, some are doing cooking activities, and put it in bite-sized pieces so that any of us can do this together with friends, family, and people who are living with dementia. Oh, that's that's absolutely wonderful. Go ahead, Ron. Yeah, the thing I like best about these, uh, you can almost turn to any page of the book, and it is so easy to find something that you can just do immediately. And uh, we, frankly, we haven't even begun to tap into uh, actually practicing uh, all the resources ourselves and, and are eager to have the opportunity to, um, to do so. Well, that's, that's wonderful. Um, Lori, I don't know if, if you're familiar um, with their first book at all, um, let alone their second. Um, are you familiar with, with Deborah and Ron at all? I'm somewhat familiar with the first book, and um, I I loved just the the main uh, description that says learning to celebrate and appreciate what we have now. Because as someone living with dementia, I can't tell you how frequently my husband and I do that, that we just want to celebrate every good day and celebrate what we have now and not look towards what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, that's important, and I, I was glad that you that that was part of the description because I think it adequately describes where we're at now. Um, I have a question though on the book: Have you considered putting them onto audio? And I'll, I'll tell you the reason I ask that is that many of us with dementia find it very difficult to read anymore. Um, I get to page two, and I don't remember what was on page one, so I have to go back again. Is putting books on audio something that you would think about? Well, I am thrilled you asked that question because our publisher is actually doing this. They um, they are having an audio version. <laughs> I know, and I am so excited about it. And so, um, and the other cool thing about the book is you can just read a piece. Each chapter is very short. Each section that describes an activity is short. So it's something really fun to do together where you don't have to read through the whole book. But I agree. And, and Lori, I wanted to comment on your, your beautiful statement about celebrating every moment. I had said earlier what a spiritual and creative journey I thought this whole dementia journey is. And I think that is one of the things we all want to be doing is that, you know, none of us know what's going to happen next. And your idea about living with gratitude and noticing what's good, that was part of what really inspired me with my mom, with making that commitment to do that. And as you said with your your husband, for me, that enriches life so much. I can't remember it every moment, but when I do remember it, when I am living that way, it's such a um, a rich and deep and meaningful way to be living. So thank you for that comment. Well, that's wonderful. And it, it's, it's great that your publisher is aware of the importance of audiobooks, too, um, and, and the power behind them. I think that's fabulous. Um, Ron, you were going to make a comment? I was just thinking, uh, going to comment that Deborah and I um, 
regularly go on just walks together and and one of the things we invariably do are we call them our gratitudes where we just literally go back and forth in tandem like we do in in our performances thinking of all the things that we are grateful for that each day oh that's that's great and you know walking in gratitude i mean it just changes the journey so much it just there, there's so much to learn and to be appreciative of instead of um, kind of, you know, jumping down the rabbit hole. And, and not that that doesn't happen to all of us at some time, but, um, man, yeah. there's just so much joy to be had and to be found and to be created um, if, if we choose to live our life in that, in that way. Um, and just knowing that we do have choice. Because um, sometimes I think people forget that, um, that, that there really is choice even in the midst of chronic illness. Absolutely. I, and Lori, you know, I, I so appreciate all the things that you've done, Lori, um, all of your all of your radio shows, your chats, your speaking engagements, um, because you always give people with dementia a, a voice and you, you always try and go by things that that we've said, which is real important. And so you've chosen to help others. And that's that's a lot of kudos to you. Can I ask Ron a question? Sure. Um, Please. Ron, how do, how do you put your storytelling to use for Alzheimer's? Are you telling stories about Alzheimer's? Are you How do you put your storytelling abilities to work? Well, tell you what, would you like a, an example? Yes. Deb, can we pick one and, and sure. show her? Yeah. I think it's actually easier, easier to show than to describe. Well, let's... Let us share a little example from the book that just captured my imagination. This is a story that Claire Craig, who's over in the U.K., shared with me, and I totally loved it. It's very short, and to me it's like you can, even if you don't want to leave home, you can still travel. And here is this very short story. Uh, Shall we spend the afternoon at the beach? Harry asks his wife, Madeline. A smile lights her face, and she nods. It's a gloomy day in Yorkshire, England, and Madeline, who is living with dementia, has been staring outside all morning. Harry can feel her restlessness and confusion. Let's bring a picnic. Harry says. Lemonade. Madeline says. Yep. Do you want cheese? Or tuna fish sandwiches. Cheese. Together they go into the kitchen and Harry makes their lunch. Then he packs up a hamper and leads Madeline to their screened-in porch. The deck chairs are waiting. A bright beach umbrella leans against the wall. He turns on the CD player and the soothing sound of rolling ocean waves blends in with the backyard bird song. He rubs a little sunscreen on Madeline's hands, the kind she used when they were dating so many years ago. He helps her take off her shoes and pushes over a container of sand. It's warm and dry, and Madeline wiggles her toes in it, though they are miles from the seashore. By using creativity and imagination, they still enjoy the feeling of being at the beach. 
This was one of those stories. All the stories in the book are true stories. I have changed people's name just for privacy. But when Claire told me this story, it widened my thinking. I had never thought of doing this. And it really, writing this book has really changed my life because it changed the way I look at my environment. And we've made more of a bird-watching area for ourselves when we don't want to go into the woods. And so, um, Lori, that's one way we have been using stories. We started out sharing very personal stories from my book, Love in the Land of Dementia. And those were about my experiences with my mom, who was living with dementia. And what we found is what both of you have commented on. When you can open your heart and share your personal stories, it invites other people to do the same. And that lets us talk about things and get rid of stigmas and help people understand the gifts that we can all experience as we are going through this. Wow, Wow, that was awesome. And I'll tell you what, I want to know when you're coming to Pennsylvania because you guys just did that better than probably 60% 60% of the readers I hear on the book on tapes I listen to all the time. Oh, so you- my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Thank you very much. That is very thoughtful. So that was one of my questions. I, I was point I can't. Oh, go ahead, Lori. I am to the point I really struggle to read. Um, but I listen to a lot of books on tape and often will get the book on tape and the book because visual and audio at the same time helps me a lot, but I can't always run around with a book and a tape, but um, I have found that the better the voice, um, the better I can understand what is happening in the storyline. So you guys were, again, fantastic. And I appreciate, like, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that you're looking to have it done on audio. Now, are you? Wow, thank you. Are you That's guys, good to hear. Thank you. Are you guys going to be the voices on the audio? Because you really do. You, you just are. Um, you guys just kind of melt together because you've been working together so long. <laughs> you know. That's true. We are actually not going to be the voices on the audio. The audio is rather a major undertaking, and so um, we have got. They have talent. With quote, talent is doing the audio, but we did get to hear choices and we got to vote on the voice we thought best um, captured both the drama and the practical part of it. So we haven't heard it yet. Okay. It's going to be an experiment. And um, both Lori's, I look forward to sharing that with you both when it comes out. Yeah, it'll I'd love to do I'd that. I'd love to see that. I'd love to hear that when it comes out. That'll be great. Good. Now, now Deborah, um, when you wrote the book, did you, I would imagine you had a certain audience in mind, and I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing who that is, and, and has your thought process on that changed uh, since you finished the book? That's a great question. I started writing for just care partners. I, I knew that I would have loved to have this book, when um, my mom was living with dementia and 
Um, when Ron's mom and dad also were living with dementia, we were exploring, you know, just different um, artistic and creative ways to keep a rich connection. And so I wrote it to be useful for uh, family and uh, professional care partners and friends. And also, I've since heard from some of my readers that it's really not necessarily just for people living with dementia, that it's pretty much fun for – many of the activities are quite adaptable, so they can be intergenerational. You don't need any special artistic talents. That was important to me. And um, and so they're really useful for all kinds of people who want to do something fun and meaningful together. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I have been using this for is I have um, friends who are living with dementia, and one of my friends is far away, and so I've been using some of the activities on the phone with my friend, and it's been really wonderful to get to share that. So I think there's lots of different ways to use these. Okay. Great. Ron, anything you want to add there? Well, I just I couldn't agree more. I, I'm, I, I, just, I think the main thing for me, the difference between, Lori, last time we talked, uh, we, we always felt so happy about the concept of uh, the subtitle of Deborah's first book, Finding Hope in the Caregiver's Journey. And we always managed to find ways to have hope. Uh, but now we have dozens and dozens and dozens of actually practical, and one person used the word tactical, which I like, uh, approaches to doing this. And um, it just gives a whole new level of excitement and stimulation uh, that we had not had in our lives prior to this. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Um, Lori, any, anything you want to add on that question in, in terms of what, what you're hearing from response? I, I think that what you're doing is really fabulous. Um, I know that for me to keep my hands busy, to have things to do, and to then have a product that I finished, an accomplishment, is real important. Since I don't do a lot of the things I used to do, being able to do anything and finish it, whether it's a coloring book page or a button bracelet, just anything that I can say, oh, look what I did. It makes you feel so important and so much more complete. So I think activities are great. I, I love what you just said, Lori. And one of our big teachers on this subject is a dear friend of ours who's also living with dementia and who is very um, arts and crafts oriented. And every time we go visit her, we learn a new art and craft because we are not. And it's been, and, and one of the things that she's been doing is finding places to give her products to. I, I really appreciate what you just said about wanting to have a purpose and to feel meaningful. One of the things I knew inside, but it was really brought out by the different people I talked to, and Lori LeBay is definitely one of them, is how much we are all alike, no matter what we're going through. 
We all want to have purpose. We want to have meaning. We want to have relationships. We want to have fun. We want to be learning. And um, Tifa Snow made a really strong comment. She said people who um, are living with dementia are often entertained but not engaged. We all want to be engaged. Yes, we want to be entertained sometimes, but it doesn't cut it for the whole day. So um, thank you for making that comment. And, and I think it is an important comment where you have something that's tangible, that's doable. Uh, I feel the same way myself where you, you have something to show for yourself at the end of the day, and I think that gives us all a feeling of pride. I, I wanted to share with you guys a few Excuse me. Have time for one other short story. Sure. Something that was really fun and that we have started incorporating into our lives. And so, when I was searching for experts for the book, I reached out to Dr. Madan. Excuse me, Kataria from Mumbai, India. He is the founder of Laughter Yoga. And he graciously agreed to do a Skype appointment with me. So I was pretty excited about Skyping with this famous doctor. And I prepared very, very carefully for our meeting. I wanted Dr. Kataria to know I was a serious journalist and I was on a serious mission. So what I want to tell you is that I was so surprised. Within minutes of our conversation, I found myself giggling uncontrollably. Here is what happened. So I started out and I said, Dr. Kataria, what inspired you to create Laughter Yoga? And he said, Before I answer that question, Deborah, do you know the haha chorus? Well, I said, No, Dr. Kataria, I don't. Well, it goes like this Ha 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 ha. Sing it with me, Deborah. <laughs> And so when you start doing the I know, that's what happens. When you start doing those ha ha ha, you start laughing. And so what Dr. Kataria found is that laughing is a skill anyone can master. And laughter yoga is ideal for people living with dementia and for their care partners. He says, Laughter yoga is an aerobic workout that helps uplift your mood within minutes by releasing endorphins from your brain cells. You often remain energized, relaxed, and in good spirits throughout the day. Laughter also makes our immune system stronger, plus Laughing with others builds a social bond and reduces feelings of isolation. And now this is Ron wanting to say, every time we tell this particular story to people, I, and I haven't even told Deborah this yet, I notice after I do that ha-ha chorus and it's ready for my next line, I already feel so enlivened that I, I can feel the change in mood from before I began the ha-ha chorus and afterwards. What, one of the things he discovered is it, to your body it doesn't matter if it's real laughter or fake hilarity. It all has the same benefits. So this has really transformed our lives where we've started 
you can do the ha-ha chorus to any tune. We just started adding in more laughter, and it feels wonderful. So I'm going to suggest you try this and see what you think. <laughs> and there's more to laughter yoga than that, and the book talks about you know ways to just incorporate a little bit more. But essentially, it's just an invitation to laugh more, and your mood just rises up. It's very true. Sabrina, I think that. Go ahead, Lori. Oh, I was just going to say that that's very true. I mean, it just, it just, uh, it it shifts everything in your body, mind, and soul, just almost instantly. And um, you know, if you can get to the point of a belly laugh, you know, look out because your mood's <laughs> definitely definitely going to change. Um, and it it's it gives us permission to to be silly in this serious serious world that we live in. Um, and I think that we've lost sight of the importance of laughter and friendship. And, you know, one of the biggest things I see with dementia or just anybody who is ill is, you know, people love to laugh. But when someone is sick, people get so serious and they, they forget to laugh. They get so busy taking care and making sure everything is as perfect as it can be. Um, they, they really put their relationship and the fun stuff aside um, way too often, in my opinion. And that helps bring it back into the real world. Lori, what are your thoughts? Well, I'll tell you, out of all the dementia chats that I'm in, where it's caregivers asking questions or uh, caregivers and people with dementia re- talking to each other, one of the things I hear frequently is he doesn't laugh anymore. She doesn't laugh uh, anymore. They forgot wow. how to be happy. <laughs> Pardon me. Um, and with FTD in particular, you always hear the face is dragging. It's always in a frown. Um, laughter is important. And I wonder how many people would be open to just walking in the room and laughing like that because they may see a response if they just started the person laughing. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, we're the mirror. So what are we walking in as? I, I think of the, the film that I work with, his neighbor Phil, and in one of the scenes, Mary, who has dementia, is being told that the man in the doorway is her husband. And she says, oh, no, that, that can't be my Harvey. My Harvey has passion in his eyes, and he's strong. Ah. And he, the man in the doorway, he's so sad all the time. That's not my Harvey. You know, wow. and, and we don't realize who we who we are, who we've become um, in the process. And so I think, you know, one of my sayings always is, you know, we have to learn to consciously care. We have to look at ourselves. We have to look at others um, in a far different light um, and slow down and really pay attention to our nonverbals because that's, you know, more than three-quarters of our communication, yet we don't, we don't hold it in the esteem and value it the way we should. Um, for the amount of communication that's going on. Um, we're just waiting for those words, you know, and it's kind of like when when something declines and we want it, we want it back even more and we hold on to it even tighter. Um, when there's all these other forms available to us, have always been available to us, we've always tapped into them, and now, now, we're, now we're ignoring them because we want things the way they used to be. It's kind of silly. I love that, and... Lori, if I may, I'm going to quote something you said in the book that I love. You said, dementia is a vibrant disease encompassing the colors of the rainbow. 
If we regard it in strict black and white, we only see right or wrong. We need to let in the color <laughs> and the light. Beautiful. And that just spoke to me so deeply. And I love the idea. One of the several of the people I talked to talked about playfulness. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an issue for most adults. Do we have enough playfulness in our lives? Probably not. But the idea of thinking of silly things to do so we can laugh, so we can have that feeling of playfulness, so we can brainstorm and we don't have to think about right or wrong. We just are freestyling our answers. That can really raise energy a lot. Definitely. I know my my mom gave me that gift back to play and be silly because she didn't judge. So I wasn't worried about being judged anymore. Um, you know, I could be silly, I could laugh, I could cry, I could let my whole emotions out, no matter what they were. And she was just there and accepting and safe. Um, but she really taught me how to find joy again. And, um, you know, through silliness and through um, just all the normal stuff you do. And just like, you know, Lori, turn off your phone, put down the pager. <laughs> just sit by me on the couch. Oh, do I have to? You know, and and we don't even have to talk, but let's just be in one another's presence. And it was, I mean, I think of her and the disease and what she taught me and and how much effort she had to put in because I was not an easy student, I'm sure, in the beginning, (laughs) you know. And and boy, that was just such a gift um, to, to be able to not take things so seriously, that the world will go on even though it didn't go from A to B to C. And that's the way you Laurie, would have liked I too, I, too, had a similar experience with Deborah's mother when she was deep into her dementia. And I um, would go in and at first couldn't quite figure out what I was doing there and how I was supposed to connect. And then we would just start looking at each other and and earlier in her life with me she had never done this just maintained eye contact and almost always within a half a minute or so one of us would start giggling and that would start the process and we would have this eye contact and laughter going on for many many minutes and it it was it's really one of the things that I most remember about her now and most love and appreciate. Yeah, pretty precious stuff. Pretty precious stuff. Do you guys have one more story you could share with us? Yes, I I do. And, in fact, it was something I wanted to get um, Lori Sher's advice on. Um, We'll share this, and then I'd love to get your feedback. One of the things that was really important to me is learning more about how to adapt people's hobbies and interests to fit their changing abilities. And that's something Lori has already addressed in talking about the way you're reading now, you know, just a little bit differently. This is a story from Mara Botanus, the author of When Caring Takes Courage. And she said when her grandfather was diagnosed with dementia, she was determined he would continue to enjoy his lifelong passions, which included golf, playing cards, and fishing. And yet she understood the care partner's tendency to let creative time slide by in favor of practical matters, such as assisting with dressing, feeding, and bathing. 
Laura says, I wanted grandfather to have the best possible experience every day. So I learned to put laughing ahead of laundry and dishes. Here are some ways Mara successfully kept her grandfather involved in his passions. For a time, he walked the golf course and played with empathetic friends. And when he could no longer play, uh, he liked being driven around the course, enjoying the scent of freshly mown grass and the vistas of rolling green lawns and the thwack of a well-hit ball. At home, the family set up an indoor putting green and watched golf tournaments on television with him. Family June Rummy sessions were another of her grandfather's favorites. When he could no longer track the game, Mara asked herself, what is important about these family competitions? She realized the game was a catalyst for reminiscing, laughing, and eating their ritual potato chips and dip. Even when grandfather couldn't play, he still liked sorting the cards by suits and sitting around the card table with his family. So one of the things I wanted to ask Lori's expertise on is that you've already shared with us how you have adapted reading. Sounds like it's a passion of yours. What else have you learned about adapting hobbies and passions so you can continue enjoying the things you love? Deborah, I'll tell you, my husband and I are very big on taking the challenges that dementia sends our way, figuring out what the obstacle is, and figuring out a way to overcome the obstacle, whether it's how to make a bed when I forgot how to make a bed, or I thought I had, I used to sew a lot of my clothes and costumes. Suddenly, I couldn't sew, so we set out to figure out why. Well, I found out I can still sew but only straight lines. So all 19 of my great nieces and nephews got a pillow or a blanket because that's all straight lines. Wow. I don't have, um, and I did. I made one for each and every one of them and put a tag on it that said, love and laughter, Aunt Laurie. Um, Oh. Oh, my gosh. I think, yeah, no, I can't sit down and follow a pattern. I can't sit down and, and sew like I used to. But a blanket is a little bit more than four lines, but it's all straight lines, and my head will still do that. And, in fact, my husband supports me so much. When my sewing machine died, he bought me a brand-new sewing machine with an embroidery thing on it so I can actually embroider Love and Laughter Aunt Laurie. Oh, so my gosh. Having, and, and he knows I may not be able to use it very much longer, but it didn't matter. He bought me the sewing machine I had dreamt of for 15 years and never got. Wow. Now I have it. <laughs> if I use it for a year, so be it. Um, I think adapting, never say you can't do that anymore. Say, how can I do that? What changes can I make so I can enjoy that? Um, I want it to go away on a trip. Well, I don't handle crowds. I can't filter noise anymore. So being in an airport is really not very good for me. But you know what? We put our heads together. We figured out how to overcome every challenge of that trip. And I went to the FTV conference by myself um, and had a wonderful time with with 39 other people that have FTD. So I think we sell ourselves or other people with dementia short by saying, oh, they can't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, What we need to say instead is, 
what is causing the challenge and how can we overcome that obstacle for the challenge? Beautiful. Thank you for that inspiring answer. And I can just see all those pillowcases. <laughs> I can't even believe it because you were talking to someone who cannot sew even a single line. So what a, what a brilliant way. And I love what you said about the two of you working together like you would on any other problem in your lives to figure out how are we going to make this happen. It's so inspiring. Thank you. Yeah. If I could, I, if you want to see more about the things we've done, um, my website is DementiaDaze.com. Mm, good name. And I give my husband a lot of kudos because we are in it together. We talk constantly. I don't realize I'm doing a lot of the things that I've done, um, but he does, and then we talk about it, and we try and figure it out. Um, you probably wow. will like the one called Sometimes You Just Have to Laugh, because it was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Well, thank you. Um, I, I, in, all of the, in all of my journey here with dementia, I would say – the two most important things, number one, having the most fantastic care partner anybody could ever ask for. He's wonderful. Number two <laughs> is that you walk the journey together, you find out what the obstacle is, and you figure out how to get around the obstacle. Don't just call it quit. Figure it out. Good point. Good point. And I'm sure there'll be callers uh, wanting to know if your husband wants to share his skill sets with others. <laughs> I love that. Uh, 30, 38 years. I think I'll keep them a few more. <laughs> oh, good. Lori, that, Lori LeBay, that really, it also ties in with something um, we had talked about when I was interviewing you for the book about just talking to each other to say what's on your bucket list, what is important to you in your daily routine, you know, so you really understand. Because um, a lot of times we, None of us can really know what are the most important things. We do the same things over and over, but we don't know where is the meaning. And I love what um, Lori has just described about finding that meaning in there. You know, if you have time for it, uh, that brings to mind uh, one other story that I just love from the book. And uh, uh, talk about adapting. Uh, if you've got a moment, it's very short. I'd love to share it with you. Sure. David was dedicated to caring for Arla at home during her dementia journey, but getting her to take a bath was becoming increasingly difficult. He simply could not coax her out of her chair and into the bathroom. He thought back on their life together, trying to figure out what could motivate her to move? And then he remembered, listening to Duke Ellington's big band. Arla loved the Duke, and she was always the first one out on the dance floor. David put on one of Ellington's CDs, and as the orchestra swelled, he held out his arms. Arla smiled and stood right up, seeming to float into his embrace. He had to grin as he danced her into the bathroom to the sound of the Duke playing, Don't Get Around Much Anymore. Two days later, 
It don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing, came to his rescue. Day after day, the Duke inspired David's satin doll to dance her way to the bathroom. Mm. That was That's what I'm talking talk- about. Too. That's what you're talking about. <laughs> Yay. Yes. Yeah. And that there was-, was an obstacle and a challenge, and it's finding a way around that obstacle that helps you to, to live much better because he now, it was easier on him because he didn't have to fight with her. It was easier on her because she was in a harmony. Yes, in harmony. I love the way you said that. And that was a story that Dr. Conchetta uh, Tomeno shared with us about the power of music and how it speaks to so many of us and can really help us all along on our journeys. That's very true. It, it's funny when you talk about the dance um, in, in that movie, His Neighbor Phil, that's how he gets her to go to one room to another. Oh, it's time to change, and they'll be in the kitchen or the dining room, and they'll dance ah. to get her back in to where he needs her to be. And and yet um, it allows them to have, you know, just that intimate time together, just, you know, touching and being one, moving as one, and um, which is, is missed, you know, a lot of times as we age, we don't have as much touch. And so music is, is so powerful on so many levels um, to get us to, to feel calm and, and um, safe and comfortable. And, um, you know, it's, it's easily overlooked because, you know, somebody from the outside might think it looks silly, but nothing's silly if it works. You know, we just have to educate people on why we're doing it. You know, if you if you feel that need, if you feel uncomfortable, um, educate people so that they too can can utilize that that technique instead of being you know shamed into no, we can't do that. That looks silly or that won't work or, you know, um, dementia is a game of trial and error, and you know the error is really to not to try. Oh, beautiful! Yes. Oh, that is so well said, Lori. On that, well, um, Deborah and, and Ron, what is the best way for people to get a hold of you? Get a hold of? Of, of you. Oh, well, they can visit our blog, which is dementiajourney.org, and every week I share uh, creative ideas from different people around the globe, and in fact, I'm hoping I'm going to call uh, Lori share and interview her later for her creative ideas that she started sharing. And so that's an easy way to get in touch with us. And they are also welcome to um, email us at myinfo, M-Y-I-N as in Nancy, F as in Frank, O, at P-O-Box.com. Wonderful. And, and Lori, how about you? What is the best way for people to reach you? Um, dementia days, D-A-Z-E, at gmail.com. Wonderful. Well, I thank you all. Along with my oh, excuse me, go ahead, Ron. No, that was Lori, I think. Oh, I'm sorry, Lori? It goes along with my website. My website is dementiadays.com. My, my email is dementiadays at gmail.com. Okay. Great. Well, I want to thank you all for being with us today. What a wonderful program, and I wish you all the success with your new book, Connecting in the Land of Dementia. And, um, 
you know, I, I hope that you'll even utilize this book as a tool in conferences to engage people and maybe have them try some of these exercises um, as a group. I think it'd be really kind of a cool way to, um, you know, just uh, get them to, to feel the heart of these stories and, and feel the transformation of the change that it can make in a situation. Um, it's uh, it's a very, very powerful. And you'll have to let us know when your audio book comes out, too. Now, the best way for them to yes. get the book, is that through your website? Or do you want to have them go to uh, no. Amazon? Um, either through, yeah, mm-hmm. a- you can go to Amazon. You can go to your favorite independent bookstore. But it is on Amazon now and should be at Barnes & Noble. And hopefully at any bookstore that you like. Wonderful. Well, thank you again um, all for being with us today. Um, before well, thanks to the two of you. It's really a rich experience um, to get to talk to both of you. We just loved it. Yeah, it was a real pleasure. Well, good, good. And I was thrilled you uh, shared uh, Mara Botonis' uh, story as well because she's just one of my favorite peeps in the world, and um, I just think she does amazing work um, as well with, with people with dementia. And um, her story about her her grandfather, um, I think, was a was a wonderful, wonderful one to share out of your books as well. There, so and I will say, I'm disappointed you're not doing the audio on it because you guys do a fantastic story. I hope you're coming to Pennsylvania soon. Well, if not, we'll we'll call you and read you some stories. <laughs> <laughs> good. That sounds good. I like it. I like it. Okay, we'll do it. <laughs> It's been a joy to be with both of you. Okay, well, thank you. And wrapping up here, for those of you who are new to our show, you might want to check out uh, um, some of our latest uh, radio shows. Uh, Last week we had on um, Good Samaritan talking about their life coaching for Minnesota caregivers. Um, That is free through the end of the year, so you're going to want to check that out. We also had uh, Harry Urban on from Pennsylvania talking about dementia which is complicated by abuse. And um, we had a doctor on talking about the science behind Alzheimer's. I'd also like to um, just give a plug to one of my cohorts here at Live in Social. And um, Rachel Perrin is the culinary director for Kowalski's Markets. And um, along with her producer and sidekick, Adam Lee, they are joined by some of their uh, favorite foodtastic friends and colleagues, and they chat about seasonal flavors and favorite foods and trending topics in nutrition and all the, the yummy stuff for your tummy. Um, their, their segment is called What's for Dinner Tonight, and their podcast is only like 10 to 15 minutes per episode, but it's perfect when you're busy and you're hungry and trying to figure out uh, what, what you're going to make for dinner. You can also find um, a, a large list of their menus at Kowalski's.com. That's K-O-W-A-L-S-K-I-S.com. Uh, what else can I tell you? Our last Dimension Chats we actually did this morning, and I need to go in and edit that. Hope to have that out the end of this week. Um, and we talked about um, the Alzheimer's walk. A lot of people are talking about the, the Alzheimer's walk. And we talked about the pros and cons that people with dementia see with the walk. Um, and it's a very, very interesting conversation. So I hope that you will watch that when that uh, comes out. Right now we do have posted um, all of our other segments, but the, the one prior to that talked about technology and apps. Do they help or hinder those living with dementia? 
Uh, I think that's it. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap up and just um, say if you're looking for a tool that can help you really focus on being person-centered, um, sign up to be a member at Alzheimer's Speaks, and you can go get our free tools. Um, one of them, which people say is very helpful, is called Your Memory Chip, and it teaches people to um, not just focus strictly on their task and their to-do list, but really focus on the person themselves. Are they safe? Are they happy? Are they pain-free? Have a wonderful week, and we will talk with you soon. Bye now. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the way showers who will help your journey a lot easier.